1: Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021. I'm your host, Blessing Adio Oye Jr. Joining me is the
2: return of Gary Witta. Good morning, Blessing. How are you? Doing good, Gary. How are you doing? Welcome back. I'm all right. Tired. Oh, dude, I'm I can't tired. imagine. I fell asleep you- at my desk uh, earlier this week. Really? Yeah, or really? should I say last week? See, I don't even know what day of the week it is. No, last week, did Thursday you, or Friday, you, I fell asleep at my desk. Did you slump on your desk
3: or did you fall back onto your chair? I just kind
2: of – well, you know, I when I say fell asleep, I just kind of nodded off. You know, I just kind of went like this, like – right, So you know, like that. you know, that's
3: on your chair. Got it.
2: Yeah, like in my chair. No, I wasn't like head in down on the desk drooling sure. on the keyboard or anything, but I definitely – I was like slumping forward and like Honestly, caught myself. That, that is
1: me if I'm playing video games past 11 p.m. Like I hit a point where I'm, and this is me like showing my my old man signs where I'll be playing like uh, this happened to me last week where I was playing Dark Pictures Three and I got to the final chapters with my co-op partner and we had been playing for hours and we hit like that like 11:30 spot and like all sweet, of a sudden I just feel myself. Dozing off. I know eleven thirty. Not that late. Like for for me, a twenty seven year old, very much not that late. But for some reason, I just give in. Like at, at a certain point,
2: I'm just like, I just when, like sleeping. When you get to my age, blessing pushing fifty, you will you, you you just you just it it just gets priced in. You just know oh, yeah. that once you get for me, it's like nine o'clock. I start to
1: get. Dude, sleeping. I can't wait because once I once I'm starting to push fifty, I'm probably gonna be going to bed at like seven p.m. happily. Like I cannot wait to be able to have that excuse to be like, hey. I'm, I'm piecing out, you know, like, Hey, you, you see my age, you know, I got to go to bed. I got to tuck in, wake up at a fresh 6. AM, have a nice coffee. That sounds like a life to me.
2: Honestly, here. I know that, I know this sounds like, a depressing thing to say but like going to bed is my favorite part of the
1: day
3: dude
1: honestly i was talking i was legit having a conversation with friends about this over the weekend about how much we love sleep i love sleep like like, like nothing else in this world it is probably my favorite part of the day is like tucking in i tell my uh my voice assistant to, to start playing spotify at low volume set the scene sometimes i'll play some like woodland sounds you know depending on how i'm
2: feeling Hell that day yeah woodland just goes off there's nothing yeah there's nothing like snuggling into a into a nice cozy bed and the earlier the better again like if i'm in bed by like 8 30 p.m i consider that a major win mm-hmm. oh yeah like that's my favorite because ah. then you got a shot yeah. at like you know a good 10 hours of sleep and you wake yeah. up feeling
1: so fresh oh yeah i love that so much gary, gary have, have you, you have uh, go, been go able, for it, able
3: to get full night sleeps yet we there yet? No, is. no, That's no. no to, so,
2: so the new, so the new addition, the newborn, has actually been great. Our first one, you know, who's almost ten years old now, she was the, the first six months year was very difficult. She wasn't a good overnight sleeper. We were up with her constantly. I was absolutely just fried, and so I was a little bit worried about this one because I'm ten years older now. I'm thinking I'm probably even like less physically equipped to have sleepless nights. And we were just sure, talking about how sure. like the older you get, the more you value. Your sleep the more you like physically need to get you know you a, a good night's sleep this one's been great though like newborns they just don't with with very few exceptions they just don't sleep through the night like you literally have to wake them up to feed them like you you've got to get up a couple of times every night but we're so we've been doing that I usually wake up around two o'clock in the morning then you know, we're up for about half an hour or an hour and then up again at around five so i haven't had like more than five hours of uninterrupted sleep in about three weeks, but you, but you learn to like at least kind of stack up two hours here, three hours there. And I am at, like I said, I'm absolutely knackered. If like, if you put me horizontal, like anywhere right now, I would fall asleep inside two minutes because my body knows that I'm owed so much sleep and it will take it like whenever it can get it. I'm not usually a napper, but I've been napping a lot of my body. I, just, I, just, I, fell asleep mm. I was just like, mm. and I was just sitting there going like, and then my body's like, just go to sleep, dude, it's fine. You can sleep right <laughs> now. You sleep sitting yeah, up. My God. <laughs> yeah, so aside from the sleep, how's it been? Like,
1: you know, it's fun. It's funny that you and Greg had your newborn kids at around the same time. And so like as soon as that happened i looked at the slack and i was like oh snap are we losing both of them for the next, yeah, for the next three months yeah greg Greg's, is gone but you are here way sooner than i thought you'd well be back. again
2: this is this is not our first rodeo so i think we might be a little bit the first one's really hard like you know i mm-hmm. always say that you know, don't try, try to scare people too much but when they have their first kid i'm always like you you just don't you have no idea what's coming it's gonna fucking hit you like a freight train the 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 emotional roller coaster the exhaustion just everything and you like just your whole life just screeches to a halt because you're just 24 7 trying to keep this little bug this little bean alive and it it requires constant constant work and effort And my wife does most of it but even as just like the support person um it's still a lot second time around it is a little bit easier because you know you, you stress out slightly less and you you're not it's not your first time doing any of these things but it's still um exhausting and you still like i've had like all the little things that i used to kind of somewhat take for granted like oh i'm going to play a video game for a couple of hours i've been able to do that like here and there but it's and and again you're just so tired that like by like by nine o'clock even if i have a couple of hours to play a video game honestly i'd rather just sleep Mm, so it's it's exhausting um Are you playing all- way
1: less video games then because that, that was one of the things I was gonna ask, like how is how's this eating into your your time? Are you able to I managed to-, to
2: get I managed to get a few hours in this weekend. I played nice. um I played uh, Doki Doki Literature Club plus, which I'd never played before. That was a that was a fucking. I like let that me
1: tell you Have you played it? I, I played the original back in 2017 and I watched uh, some of our streams because we streamed a little bit of it uh, when that dropped earlier in the year and I, kinda, I absolutely love that game.
2: I kind of wish that I'd have gone in knowing nothing about it because and, and I understand why you can't do that because the game is the game obviously, the game obviously represents itself as a certain thing and then then ends up being something very, very different. And for that reason, they can't take the risk of like kids or whatever playing it, coming in thinking, "Oh, it's going to be this thing," and then getting deeply traumatized by it. So it yeah. has all these, you know, it's, it's like the first two minutes of the game are just nothing but like content warners going, "This isn't what you think it is. This is going to be deeply fucked up. Like, get ready." And so I knew that it was going to go in, in a horrible direction. But again, I almost kind of wish I hadn't known that because I think it would have been more unsettling. Like the full unsettling effect of it would have would have worked better if I had no safety net at all in terms of knowing that it was going to take this this dark turn but i of course again i understand why because obviously yeah of course like you don't want kids
1: to play you don't want people who you know might be re-traumatized by that kind of thing yeah and i understand
2: why games these days have like content warnings trigger warnings and things like that but for a game like that which is very deliberately representing itself as this cutesy fun you know japanese graphic novel but is in fact deeply dark and horrific that they have to make sure that people who would be really genuinely fucked up by that surprise are, you know, fully warned and protected. But again, for me, I would like liked to have played like the no the no safety net version of it. Mm. But I, I did really I did really enjoy it. It's it's deeply disturbing. It's a very, very interesting, you know, experiment and it kind of remind me in certain ways of things like um uh, Stanley Parable, you know, games that kind of break the fourth wall. And oh, kind yeah. of, me- kind of meta- does that a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, meta commentary. What's the, I not remember the name of the game, but it was another thing I played last year. It was like a game that like actively does, aggressively does not want you to play it and keeps trying to get you to quit. Oh, I'm, yeah. No, I think kinda, I know
1: there is, is it? There is no game the, here? There is
2: no game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I, I love those kind of, again, like break down the fourth wall, you know, the game's kind of talking to you, the game's kind of self-aware, Doki Doki Literature Club does that, it obviously does it in a very, very dark and disturbing way. I thought it was really, really interesting, I enjoyed it a lot, so I played a bunch of that, needed a bit of a palate cleanser after that, so I did start up, I, got, I was fortunate to get from uh, Microsoft an early code for uh, Forza Horizon 5, I was like, I need to go somewhere that's like genuinely sunny and cheerful and isn't actually going to turn into like psychological horror. I was so 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 scarred by Doki Doki Literature Club that I kept expecting like someone to get out of a car in Forza and like slit their own throat in front of me or something. Like, oh my god, this game's gonna fuck with me as well. But that didn't happen, fortunately. I am enjoying I've got a lot of thoughts about Forza Horizon 5 that I will share on the uh X cast at some point soon. And um I think those are the two I've been playing most, and then I've got Age of Empires on deck. I really oh, nice. really want to get into that. I am really excited about that coming back i'm looking at inscription, look at my Steamless net inscription. There's a bunch of stuff I, Dude, I want to
1: I want to tell, I want to talk about all this stuff in the post show because yeah, okay. like inscri- inscription is one that I started uh about a week ago and I am loving it so far. I'm probably about 3 hours in, but yeah, I do want to talk about that. And I want to dig into Doki Doki a little bit more, but sure. Again, I, 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 now, I, 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 it's, it's one of those games that you really want to talk to people about after oh, you yeah. played it, you know. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about that. But for now, Gary, again, congratulations on the new child. That is awesome. Round of applause. You did it. You did it. Yay. Um, but welcome back. And Gary, I can't wait to talk to you about some video game news. News like Sakurai talking about if there will be another Smash Brothers, New World disabling wealth transfers, and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. You should never at 10 a.m. live right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to KindofFunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on YouTube.com slash KindofFunnyGames, RoosterTeeth.com. post show housekeeping for you extra life is happening this saturday uh that's going on from 11 a.m to 11 p.m pacific time that's going to be a bunch of games like mario party and middle gear uh, a bunch of shenanigans like nick and andy taking the sats me drinking too much whiskey and more uh, that's going down right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games but you can donate and join the team right now by going to kind of slash extra life the goal of course is to raise a hundred thousand dollars for children miracle network hospitals uh, it's a good cause, so come out, support, and let's have a good time. And speaking of a good time, bless way, a new episode of PSL of You EXO EXO is up right now. Uh, it's Janet and I talking about the state of state of play, uh, PlayStation games coming to PC, and. Our different opinions on Dark Pictures' House of Ashes. It is a banger episode that is up right now on YouTube.com slash games and on podcast services around the globe. And speaking of YouTube.com slash games, over the weekend, the final episode of The Arkham Files went up. That is Barrett's breakdown of the Arkham series. Uh, this final episode is all about Arkham Knight. Uh, that's up right now for your viewing pleasure over on YouTube.com slash KindOfFunnyGames. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Pranksy and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by Honey, American Giant, and Credit Karma. But we'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin with what is and forever will be. The world Report. It's time for some news. We have four stories today. A baker's dozen. A a lighter news day, but it is uh, Widow Wednesday on a Tuesday. And so you know we'll make it work. Uh, Let's start with story number one, a fascinating one. Smash Brothers director Sakurai says he is undecided if he'll make another. This is from Andy Robinson at Video Games Chronicle. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate director Masahiro Sakurai has said he's undecided if he'll make another entry now that the Switch installment's generous DLC schedule is complete. Last month, uh, last month, Ultimate's final DLC character, Sora, from the King Heart* series, was released. This marked the comp- completion of nearly three years of DLC for the fighter, which has seen 11 new characters added to the game. This week, Japanese magazine Famitsu has published a special interview with series lead Sakurai, in which the, the creator reflects on the lengthy development of Ultimate and answers questions about his future. In early excerpts, uh, Sakurai reveals that he's unsure if he'll continue with the Smash Brothers series beyond Ultimate, which eventually became so large that he previously claimed there was no way the series could ever be as big again. Quote, I'm not thinking about a sequel, Sakurai told Famitsu, but I can't say that this is definitely the last uh, Smash Brothers." end quote. He added, quote, I need to think about whether we should release another Smash Brothers game at the risk of disappointing user- users. Later in the interview, Sakurai reportedly told the publication that he did not believe the uh, he did not believe the Smash Brothers series could continue without his involvement. "quote I can't see any way to produce Smash Brothers without me," he said. He continued, "To be honest, I'd like to leave it to someone else, and I've actually tried that, but it hasn't worked out." Uh, lastly, he continued, "quote If we're going to continue with the series, Nintendo and I need to discuss and seriously consider how to make it a success." Gary, first of all, what is your uh, uh, involvement with Smash? Like, what is your interest level? Do you play a lot of Smash? Do you love it? Secondly, what do you take from the Sakurai thing? Do you think Smash Brothers could exist beyond uh, Sakurai's involvement with it?
2: Okay, so it's it's interesting this story should come up this week because I'm not really a a big Smash Brothers fan. Uh, person, I I did buy it when it came out. I was like, okay, this this is going to be the generation where I get into Smash Bros. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn how to play it, and I ju- I just couldn't. Like, there's something about the fundamental dynamic of it. I just I'm never gonna be any good at Smash Bros. And so I kind of get it. My kid really likes it. She plays it a lot. She actually plays it online. Um, she does what's called out school, where there's a little, little there's little kind of like online groups where they will um you know with with like a, a moderator they'll they'll bring lots of kids together to kind of it's just like a little curated way for kids. So you can do it with Minecraft and Among Us and Smash Bros. A bunch of games that are popular with kids. She, like, mm. joins up with a bunch of kids and, and plays Smash Bros. And she, she loves it. She, I, and I enjoy watching her play it. But, like, it's just, it never really clicked for me. But the reason why it's interesting because I actually think was thinking about Smash Bros. a lot this week. I watch a lot of uh, YouTube. Uh, on on my when I'm just like crashed on the couch like I don't have, I don't have the mental or the physical energy to like watch real TV shows or movies right now because like after about 10 minutes I start again start falling asleep but YouTube is great because you can just watch little bite-sized little fun videos and things and learn interesting thing I, I just bounce around for different topics on YouTube I watch a lot of gaming videos and you know the Sora reveal right was a big deal recently right and one of the videos that I stumbled upon was internet people uh, react to the Sora reveal in Smash Bros. In fact, one of the people that they showed was you and, you and Tim's re- uh, reaction. Oh, hell yeah. It was in there as part of all these, it was like YouTubers reacts to the reveal of, of Sora. And one of the things that it made me realize, apart from, well, something that I already knew is that Kingdom Hearts fans are absolutely the worst. It just, it just reinforced that oh, opinion. Yeah. But, <laughs> Gary, I could have a whole, we could do a whole <laughs> podcast about how Kingdom Hearts fans
1: are the worst. It the way, he- I love Kingdom Hearts 1.
2: It made, me, um, it, it made me a little bit jealous in a way. Like when you see these people, like I don't know if they, they've got to be playing up for the camera, right? Because when these people are literally like rending their garments and getting up out of their chair and like smashing their heads through windows or whatever it is that they're doing when they go, oh my God, they did it. Sora's in Kingdom Hearts. Ah! And there's like blood coming out of their eyes and stuff. I was like, man, I wish that I, lo- I, wish that I cared about and loved and was passionate about anything even like one tenth oh, yeah. to the degree that these people give a shit about smash brothers and kingdom hearts it's like all these different reveals like he's like oh my god joker from persona 5 is in King- i don't know if these people ever go actually ever go and like fucking play smash bros but they lose their shit every time one of these characters is revealed and i didn't realize i i knew that kingdom hearts was a big deal i didn't know it was as big a deal as like, these people honestly They're, it's got to be exaggerated right it's but yeah, like
1: gary it's a it's a level of I, I think nostalgia and then fan commitment to the franchise that elevates it to another level. Because with Kingdom Hearts, one of the things that I <laughs> I, uh, I I got when uh, that reaction video came out, I had like a couple people message me or like DM me on Instagram and places, and they're like, "You make fun of Kingdom Hearts all the time. Why? Like, how are, are, how are you faking this excitement for kingdom for Kingdom Hearts or for Sora coming to Smash?" And I'm like, "Listen." I Kingdom Hearts 1 on PS2 is one of my favorite games on that platform. I didn't care for or I didn't care to stick around for the rest of the franchise. One because it's a big and big like it's a big time sink and a big like commitment to try and get fully into all the Kingdom Hearts games because the lore just runs so deep and me going back as an adult and trying to play through Chain of Memories and Kingdom Hearts 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3 just isn't worth it for the level of right. one how for the level of how much I love that game as a kid and just how much I've changed as a person over the years but that doesn't take away from my love of oh yeah I ha- I have such a high nostalgia for, for this thing that plus I think Kingdom Hearts is just that it, it's it hits that perfect place of Disney magic in nostalgia in Final Fantasy magic in nostalgia. Yeah,
2: and it's and even the fact that Kingdom Hearts exists has always been a bit of a mad thing. It's like, really, yeah. so like like the like the Square Final Fantasy top universe and the Disney universe all kind of coexist. Just Kingdom Hearts existence alone is mad. And I guess with the Sora reveal, it was a particularly big deal. A because it was the final one, right? They said this is the last yes. character we'll be introducing to Smash, so that had kind of a, an, a climactic feel to it. And then plus the fact that I guess the conversation had been partly about the fact that because it's Disney and Kingdom Hearts, so from a licensing perspective, this was like the one thing that even Sakurai. This was the thing that I felt could never
1: happen. And like all
2: the lawyers in the world could not figure out how to make this happen. But uh, he did it. So it was like, oh my God, he made the impossible happen. That's genuinely impressive, right? I think
1: I think there is a level of icon status that kingdom hearts and sora have achieved just based on when you're looking at something like smash brothers in the games that they include in there there's there's one a big japanese presence but also a a big presence of here are the icons that have made gaming and there's a range that of course like piranha plant oh i guess piranha plant is to some extent iconic but let's say we fit trainer we fit trainer is just a random ass character that i I
2: love the fact they do these wacky characters yeah
1: you have the wacky but then you also have people like mario you have sonic you have link you have snake you have cloud you have these big gaming icons that have meant so much to people not just from the fact that they have amazing and games that that they're part of but for the fact that these are characters that have been that have meant a lot in people's lives over the years
2: and 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 then again I I actually went back I watched I was fascinated by this I went back and watched another video which was like YouTubers reacting to every single character reveal in Smash and there's been a lot you know Joker from Persona 5 Simon and Richter Belmont fucking Banjo Kazooie and again every time that they do it people are going oh my god and it is kind of cool right like forget about the MCU Smash Bros is like the most ambitious crossover event in history, right? Like no game has ever come close to bringing this many, you know, gaming oh, yeah. icons and, together. And This Things will never happen again. Get, like don't, Isabel don't think being a share again. of Solid Snake—that's mad. That should only be happening like in a in a in a ten-year-old's. You know a school book like when they're you know when they're kind of like you know daydreaming during history classes like that shouldn't be actually happening in a video game and yet it is and so Sakurai's is kind of like mad professor you know genius is i think it's all really fun and and god bless i love the fact that smash bros exists so that's kind of my long-winded answer in terms of what my association with smash bros is which is like as a fascinated observer of the of of the fandom and an, and an admirer of the fact that they are able to bring all these like so biz- like these bizarre different characters from so many different universes and they're so incongruous and they found a way to make it work it's a genuine achievement and they should be proud of it in terms of what's going forward you know, it's 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 hard to predict the future, but like it's it's hard to imagine as well, don't you think, Blessing? That like the Switch isn't going to be the last Nintendo console they ever make. There'll be a there'll be a Switch Two or something else. You know, Nintendo will do something else. Ten years from now, we'll be playing on some other Nintendo platform. It's hard to believe there won't be a Smash Bros for that platform. They're, gonna say, they're not going to say ten years from now. Just go play the old one from ten years ago. They'll, they, they has to they have. It's one of their biggest I mean, things, right? They can't just retire that whole franchise. But sure, didn't
3: didn't they do that with the last one? Like, How do you mean? The one we're playing is from the Wii, right? Or were you? No, this this no. is this
1: is technically a new one, like a brand this new,
3: is one, a new yeah. one. Is it? Yeah. Uh... Yeah. This oh, isn't
2: you're just right, like you're a good You're right. Wii I'm thinking Wii. Mario.
3: Okay, I'm sorry. But they did you're that for Mario Kart. Kart. But they did yeah, that that's for Mario Kart. Mario Kart and for plenty of Wii games.
2: there will also absolutely one day be like a Mario Kart 9. There has to be. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm.
3: But like I think even with this this version, we're still gonna get
1: another version of it that's like the super deluxe. That has everyone I, in, on board, right? And that—that—that that I think that's the dilemma where Nintendo, Sakurai, and whoever is going to adopt Smash Brothers after Sakurai are going to find themselves in is they're never going to be able to recreate, recreate Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. There's no way they're going to be able to get these licenses and uh, make these deals and create something on the scale of this. Ever again, I don't think that can ever be possible again. And so, I think you find yourself in two places. With whenever you release the Switch Two or whatever the next big Nintendo console is, you either keep re-releasing Smash Brothers Ultimate and just do that and just say, "Say hey, this is the one. Like this, we've perfected this. We're never gonna make anything that matches this." I mean, or you reboot,
2: reboot it from scratch. That's the thing; it becomes a more difficult undertaking every time, right? Because not not only do you have to add new character, and I, I think I'm right in saying the Ultimate was like represented the biggest increase in roster size that there's ever been in, yeah, a, ever. in a smash bros yeah. game right yeah. it went from like the first it was just a handful of mario characters back in the day first it was
1: t- the 12 characters i want to say in the first smash brothers right
2: and then it obviously got bigger and more ambitious and like things like solid snake showing up people go oh my god that's so cool but then ultimate just went you know what let's just go fucking nuts and him, yeah. i didn't have any characters the final roster sizes but it's massive um on the one hand, I want to think, well, why not just keep going? Again, from a from a practical standpoint, it's not just about they. Well, you know, there are, well, there are many other characters out there. Master Chief, that a lot of people might thought might show up in Smash Bros. Didn't you know? Maybe they get him next time. There's other characters out there. You know, there's so many as for as many characters sh- have shown up so far in Smash Bros. There's many, many more that I think people would love to see. It would be great, but it's not just about adding those new ones. Every time they do the new game, presumably they have to renegotiate all the existing characters as well so they have to go back to konami they have to go back to disney they have to go back to microsoft and like can, can we okay can we keep these characters in the game i don't know what these what these what these licensing deals look like presumably they're just for that generation not necessarily in perpetuity so it becomes it becomes a, a heavier lift and a bigger creative and legal and practical undertaking every time they want to grow the roster and you know they called it ultimate there it does it, it does almost seem like this has to be the biggest and best one ever, right? But at the same time, it's madness to think it's the last time they'll ever make a Smash game. So for that reason, it's fascinating to think about how they might approach doing the next one. Because I I come down on the side of, they can call it Ultimate, but this is not. and, And Sakurai can kind of you know, be vague about it, but I don't think anyone thinks this is the last Smash Bros game that oh, Nintendo's yeah. ever gonna release. It's relate. gotta
1: continue in, in, in some way. And Gary, while we're here, I'm gonna take a pause in this conversation because Chad made a mistake today because I've had my coffee, all right? And people are coming at me reckless in chat. A couple people in chat said, no, Smash Bros for the N64 had eight characters. As a reminder, you unlock four characters in that game. There's a total of 12 characters because you unlock Jigglypuff, Captain Falcon, Luigi, and Ness, and so that's first and foremost. Secondly- You're coming a the king, best not miss. Best not miss when I have my coffee. Sweaty magic in chat said, "Bless only liking kind of Kingdom Hearts one reason too much lore." Big strike, LOL, and that is the reason, Gary, why Kingdom Hearts fans are the fucking worst. <laughs> because did I ever say that the reason was only that there is too much lore? No, I didn't. There's a plethora of reasons. Why? And also, I didn't say that Kingdom Hearts one is the only one I liked. You know, I played a little bit of Kingdom Hearts two. I played. I played so much Chain of Memories. I don't dislike those games. I just. I. I uh, I've just come down on the fact that those games aren't entirely for me, especially as an adult. If I played Kingdom Hearts 2 right after I played Kingdom Hearts 1, that would have been the most magical shit. But playing Kingdom Hearts 2 in the modern era, the gameplay just doesn't suit me, right? Like the the, the hack and slash stuff there, I don't think ages as well. And yeah, like the lore, the, the lore and story there gets to a place where it's too much power of friendship stuff that doesn't vibe with me as an adult and, we, and seeing seeing mickey mouse do flips and do like yoda shit with a keyblade again cool would have been cool for me when i was young but as an adult 20 27 year old blessing i don't know man just not for me i'm here like for i said me. it's
2: it's 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 an, it's a it's a really impressive undertaking kingdom hearts and again it, it's one again it's a game that should not exist Again, like it is something that should so be impressive. Within, in the fevered imagination of a 10 year old, like bashing action figures together and thinking about like their ultimate, you know, kind of crossovers. It shouldn't be a real thing, though, like fully licensed by Disney and Square and, you know, these these, these Square characters like fighting next to f- fucking Buzz Lightyear and, and Goofy. It's mad. It's absolute fucking madness. It's mental, but it exists, and I kind of love that this is the this is the reality that we're in. But no, it's not for me, and I couldn't be a Kingdom Hearts fan. And again, I'll say it again, and I'll stand. There's a few statements that I'll always stand by. Kingdom Hearts fans are the worst.
1: I agree completely, Gary. Gary, let's move on to story number two. New World disables all forms of wealth transfers after gold exploit has been found. This is Luke Plunkett at Kotaku. After an exploit was found over the weekend that first let players send images in the chat box, kick other players unknowingly, and duplicate gold, Amazon has stepped in and taken some drastic action. While the images and kicking was dealt with through an update, efforts to bring the game's economy back under control have convinced Amazon to go a little further and disable, quote, all forms of wealth transfers, end quote. Posting on the game's forums, a community manager wrote, quote, Hi, all We are aware of a possible gold duplication exploit that has been circling, and we are temporarily disabling all forms of wealth transfer between players, i.e. sending currency, guild treasury, trading post, player-to-player trading. Any player that is engaged in the use of this exploit will be actioned against. Once the gold duplication exploit has been investigated and we are ready to turn on wealth transfer again, we will update this post. Thank you for your understanding, end quote. That's certainly one way to get your economy back on track, and good luck with the whole quote, any player that has engaged in the use of this exploit will be action against part, since I'm going to assume that with the exploit open and public for so long, a lot of people took advantage of it. The exploit was first discovered over the weekend when players found they could use HTML in the game's chat boxes to run some code. While initially amusing themselves by spamming images of stuff like sausages, people soon found that that they could take more malicious actions using the exploit like kicking other players. It was then discovered that by tricking the game into thinking they had had just attained an item that would trigger a quest completion state, players could gain gold by just dumping some HTML code and do it over and over and over again. Which is fun for the individual player, but can utterly derail the managed economy of an online video game, hence the intervention. Gear, have you been playing much New World?
2: yeah 64.4 hours according to uh, my steam window over here i haven't Hell played yeah. it in a while though and I, I honestly i'm going to uninstall it i'm not i'm not going to go back i i played it in a bit of a frenzy um over the uh, over the last several weeks uh, because some friends of mine were playing it and we were questing together um i kind of went i, I kind of got sucked back into i was looking for like a new mmo itch i never want to go back to warcraft i'm done with that many happy memories from back in the day but i i'm not going back to warcraft um i'll give it i'll give new world a try it was if it was the first mmo in a while that you know kind of got my um interest and, Dude, that many know, hours
1: is way beyond a try at that point
2: well i mean I, 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 that I, game. I enjoyed it for a while but then i and then i kind of felt like it hit a wall I was that like, you know what this is not going anywhere then the baby came along and kind of forced the issue anyway but i've got no interest in going back it's that it's it's it, these kind of games are not terribly difficult to make it's like once you know the ingredients to making meth it's not difficult to cook meth <laughs> right and it's not terribly it's, difficult to build a fucking go hit these go hit these rats with a stick and i'll give you a better pair of trousers type gameplay loop like it what those chemical reactions you know fire off in your brain and you go oh gotta hit gotta hit some more rats with sticks gotta watch the numbers go up gotta get better trousers it's the easiest thing in the world to do i don't think new world's doing anything particularly interesting i've been calling it the amazon basics mmo because that's kind of what it what it feels like mm. and i think Damn. what they've <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's really good, Gary. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> the Amazon I think Basics MMO.
2: I've never heard that before, and that is such a good <laughs> way to describe it. Holy cow! I think what I've learned, it, it is doing some. It is doing a couple of interesting things, but it's very, very. It does feel like an MMO from from the '90s. Penny Arcade did a whole thing about how it, like, it felt like something you dug up in a time capsule with a Britney Spears video. You know, it's it. It, it definitely has a very because it, it's just it is what it is. It's like it's an old fashioned MMO. One of the one of the things that they've run into, I about how it's not difficult to make an MMO. It's not difficult to do that gameplay loop, but there are certain other things associated with MMOs that are actually quite difficult to do. One is create a functioning economy there is a reason why as warcraft started to get bigger and bigger blizzard started hiring people who were just economists like like people would like with degrees in economics who could come in and start monitoring and tweaking and making sure that the economy continued to function and grew and was healthy because once you take a bunch of living people and put them into a, an ecosystem, whether it be the real world or, or or a virtual world, and create a currency and create commodities and create supply and demand, and there are limited amounts of these things, and people start trading and moving things around that becomes a real economy that is subject to all the same rules of economics and macroeconomics that exist in the real world and so you get and you see it all the time mmos and and online games have inflation they have deflation they have supply and demand issues they have all kinds of issues that need to be monitored and regulated by the people behind the scenes in the same way that we have you know like kind of the um, you know, the the federal banks and the reserve federal reserves and things like that. And it's their job to kind of monitor interest rates and adjust them to make sure the economy doesn't go off a cliff. You need those people in a virtual economy as well. And I guess the the Amazon developers are discovering that right now because there's been a severe deflationary issue where there's more money coming out of the economy than there is coming back in because they've fucked up the way that they price things and the way that they the how the degree to which they dole out money for completing quests and stuff like that it's too expensive to repair your gear and armor and all these kind of things that they need to tweak and now i guess there are these bugs where people are just are, are kind of are using these exploits to just basically kind of print their own gold like mint their own mm. gold out you know out of thin air it's crea- they they have to stay on top of all this stuff so Some parts of MMOs, the loot grind, very easy to do. Other parts that are more subject to the vagaries of what happens when you put like a million people into an ecosystem, give them some money and say, you know, get on with it. That's much more difficult. And Amazon are finding that out right now.
1: Is there, are you the type of person that needs to always have some kind of MMO game that they're playing in the background or something like a live service game or something in the background? And for you, now that you're done with New World for the most part, is there another game that you see? Are you going to jump into like a Final Fantasy 14 or anything else that's out there?
2: No, so I I I looked at Final Fantasy 14 for a minute, you know, because obviously it's been blowing up as as World of Warcraft is, has been kind of going off the boil and people are jumping ship and going over there and Final Fantasy 14's obviously had this huge uh blow up over the last 12 months or so it's it's become like really really big i i took a look at it it's 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 not a big part of it and this is the reason why new world is not working for me either is i have to care about the law i have mm-hmm. to care about the story and the mythology and the narrative context of why i'm doing what i'm what i'm doing when i used to play warcraft i used to read all of the quest text and i got into the story and i understood why i was hitting those rats with a stick and why i wanted a better pair of trousers like all i, I there was a there was a story that. Kept me invested with New World. I couldn't tell you the first fucking thing about what's going on in that world because I, I would just read that I would skip to the bottom. Okay, go go grab 10 um, things and you know get an, an upgrade. Like I just did not. I, there's nothing about that world or that lore or that mythology that is compelling to me i didn't read it there's so much like they 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 put so i feel bad because they put so much effort into the storytelling like everywhere you go there's like reams and reams and reams of like written mythology and all this spoken dialogue and they've obviously put a lot of thought into the world building it just all kind of just like went in one ear and out the other like, i just don't care about any of it because none of it it, it doesn't seem mm. based in like a compelling idea there's nothing particularly like new or original or exciting about it it's not based in an existing world that i'm already bought into if they made like a mass effect mmo for example i'd be fucking 100 in
3: mm. and you know
2: a lot the reason why a lot of these mmos are based on you know lord of the Rings, star trek conan you know things that people are already like oh yeah that's cool i, I like that mythology i'll go in there um and even warcraft you know was built on the existing lore of the warcraft games you know there have been several warcraft games before they built the mmo new world is literally that it's a new world and they've had to sell people on this mythology from the ground up maybe some people are into it but i, I have just not been excited about the mythology or the world at all so that's been the other reason i've kind of just i've i finally tapped out i it's just, it's just not exciting to me from a story yeah. perspective
1: I I totally feel that. Like I I think that is one of the reasons why I fell off New World super quickly. Is as soon as I started that game, I had we were, we were talking about earlier, but just dozing off while playing video games. I had that exact same thing while I was playing New World where I was playing that with a friend. And quite a few missions in or quests in, I was just like, uh yeah, I don't know. This there's nothing here aesthetically that is really calling to me, right? Like none of none of the story or narrative stuff in this is really my jam. And also for a, an MMO, I'm not I'm not in that MMO uh uh group of people that like uh, uh hungers or thirst for those games you know like so I, I something like a final fantasy 14 would probably be the one that would pull me in because i do uh, appreciate the aesthetic of that game and i appreciate a lot of the final fantasy elements but it will take something like that or even like i mean the one comparison i'll I'll, I'll make and this isn't an, an mmo but um for a live service game gt online is one that i talk about all the time and one that pulls me in and a, a big part of that is just me already being invested in that world i love the world and and i all do the too but GTA.
2: The, the players are so fucking toxic it makes that game unplayable. oh yeah
1: dude it, i it, and I, I totally feel that but you you got the um gta roleplay stuff going. yes that that has it its seems own like, like a great time
2: yes but that also has its own issues i I, mm-hmm. I eventually kind of soured on that as well based on the again it's an incredible idea the problem is is just that most people just are shitty there's yeah. there's a re there's a reason why i don't go out very much is because when you go out into the world you have to interact with people and people are for the most part not my cup of tea um and that's also the problem with you know, it's just again the same r- same rule is true um in online worlds is that most people you meet are not going to be um you know great very good so <laughs> that's I totally why i like prefer to play with my friends or play by myself or play with my family anytime you 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 go out into the great outdoors and the great unknown and say okay who am i going to meet today it's like it's it's like i said said to my wife recently every every single time that i leave the house i have cause at some point to say to her you see this is why i don't like leaving the house
1: (laughs) gary i totally feel that a reason, though, why people should leave the house is to go to the library so they can sit down, get like, put a coin in one of those internet machines, get on their computer, and go over to patreon.com slash games where they can get the show ad-free. I took a journey to get to that, that uh, transition, by the way. I was trying to figure out my mind. I was like, how am I going to take them there? All right, how am I going to take them there? I'm going to take them out of the house to the library. That's how I'm going to take them there. You can go to patreon.com slash games where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, let us
0: tell you about our sponsors. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by honey. It's time to start thinking about what you're going to get your friends and family for the holidays. And don't be stingy this year. That's okay, I have a little magic that'll bring some extra cheer this year. It's a little thing called Honey. Honey is your personal online shopping assistant. It scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. And Honey supports over 30,000 stores online. So imagine you're shopping at your favorite site, right? When you go to checkout, the Honey button will drop down and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Then sit back and kick your feet up while Honey searches for coupons. If it finds one, you'll watch the price drop uh, we love honey very much here kevin uses it for everything that we buy here for kind of funny because we like deals and we like to save money and you should too if you don't already have honey you could be straight up missing out on free savings it's literally free it installs in a few seconds and by getting it you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast we'd never recommend something we don't use here at kind of funny so go over and get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash games that's joinhoney.com slash games We're also brought to you by American Giant. Let's be honest, since we're all thinking about it, buying gifts during the holiday season is stressful. It's all about tearing your hair out, trying to find the perfect gift, spending a boatload of money, keeping secrets from your loved ones, and resisting the temptation of the classic gift card cop-out. But there's one thing that everyone loves, a good hoodie, especially now when stylish comfort is essential. So get everyone on your list and maybe even yourself a classic full-zip hoodie from American Giant. Uh, Gia loves her hoodie, she swears by it. Tim's used American Giant hoodies, he loves the quality of them, you should too. Uh, American Giant is about the journey, not just the destination. They're obsessed with the details from start to finish, So they use the best quality materials and support local manufacturers and workers. Slate called their hoodies the greatest hoodie ever made. So find out why. Explore American Giant's collection of durable essentials at American-Giant.com. And you can get 20% off when you use code KFGD at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com, promo code KFGD. We're also brought to you by Credit Karma. If you've ever felt overwhelmed when it comes to handling your personal finances, you're not alone. And Credit Karma is here to help you make those big calls with more confidence. Whether you're refinancing credit card debt or paying for an upcoming expense, Credit Karma uses your credit data to show you fresh, personal loan offers that are personalized just for you. It's totally free and easy to sign up for a Credit Karma account with no effect on your credit score. Credit Karma will even show you your approval odds so you can choose offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. On Credit Karma, you can check out multiple loan offers side by side with easy to compare estimate terms to make sure you get the best deal. And once you've got a loan, Credit Karma will help you track your progress as you pay off your debt and even let you know if you can refinance and save. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to see personalized offers with your approval odds right now. Go to creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loanoffers. Let's hop into
1: story number three, Gary. Uh, a bunch of developers are reflecting on the launch of Gta three. Uh, I'm pulling from Sid Schumann at PlayStation Blog who did a whole a whole essentially piece reaching out to a bunch of different developers to talk about the launch of Gta three for the twentieth anniversary, which first, Gary, can you believe that it's been twenty years since gta three? Yes, ok. that's fair <laughs> for me, uh, for me, for some for some reason, it feels like that game just came out like, I guess more like ten years ago. But I think that's just the fact that, uh i re- i remember playing that game i guess early on when i was in like elementary school and, and for some reason that feels like it wasn't that long ago, i mean again i've been i've
2: been i've been i've been around a lot a lot longer uh mm-hmm. than most and you know i remember the original gta back when it was you know top down before it was even rockstar dma designs running you know running around the little you know kind of 2d uh liberty city i mean it, it's a it's a it's a franchise that goes way way back but yeah 20 years is 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 um when you think about it so so since so GTA 3 they did what GTA 3 Vice City San Andreas, San Andreas all the different stories spin-offs yeah. and then plus and then 4 and 5 yeah 4 um, so
1: 4 was like 2008 i want to say and then 5 of, was 2013
2: a lot of a lot of GTA content in the past few years and it's 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 an anniversary worth celebrating if you look at what GTA has has become and what it means not just to you know, the video game world, but just the wider kind of pop culture and entertainment landscape. I mean, it's up there with Star Wars, with Marvel. You know, when the next GTA game comes out, when they finally announce, announce GTA 6, it's gonna, that will be the biggest pop culture entertainment story oh, of yeah. the week. I don't care what else gets announced. GTA 6 will, will be the will be the biggest story because it has grown into this absolute, just incredible behemoth. So, and now even though GTA obviously goes back, you know, again, they were those 2D games. GTA 3 the one that that kind of set the template for what the franchise would you know go on to become it's 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 a it's a historic you know milestone in the in in, in you know the history of video games for sure
1: Yeah, that's why I'm excited to dive into this because this is one of those stories that's not really newsy, but it is interesting, kind of fun to look at and kind of reflect on what GTA 3 and GTA as a franchise has done. And so I'm going to read from Sid Schumann on the PlayStation blog. 20 years later, it's virtually impossible to overstate the impact of Rockstar Games' open world crime saga on the gaming medium. GTA 3's launch sent ripple effects across the entire gaming industry, captivating players and inspiring game developers to take a different approach to game design. To mark the groundbreaking games uh, a big 20-year milestone we reached out to creators from playstation studios and top third party developers to reflect on gta 3's megaton launch now they talked to a a long list of devs only pulled in quotes from three different ones i encourage people to go to the playstation blog if they want the full thing but i just pulled three specifically that struck me as like interesting slash cool to hear from And so let's start with Brian Hastings, the head of creative strategy over at Insomniac Games. Uh, They said, quote, GTA 3 changed my perspective of what makes games fun. Games had always been about making the jumps, killing the enemies, solving the puzzles, doing the tasks the designer laid out for you. GTA 3 was the first game where you really made your own fun. That led me to reimagine how exploration and open-ended gadget and weapon usage in Ratchet & Clank could allow players to find their own fun and approach uh, the, the gameplay in their own creative ways end quote. uh, Mikael Kasserinen from uh, uh, Control, or they're the the Control game director over at Remedy, they say, quote, I remember entering the Remedy offices early November 2001. I was excited, a bit anxious. It was my first day of work. The first thing I saw was a group of people around a TV. Some were laughing, others staring, speechless. They were playing GTA 3. It was provocative Unexpected, endlessly fun, and impossible to let go of. A tectonic shift in gaming that set the stage for my career, influencing my work to this day, end quote. And then lastly, I want to pull from Dinga Bakaba, the game director director over that Arcane Leon, uh, the director of Deathloop. They say, quote, it wasn't the sheer scale or the freedom that blew my mind. I already had a taste of that with The Elder Scrolls 2, Daggerfall. Instead, I had a group of three friends, and we would spend a lot of time together playing games. And when GTA 3 came out, we would all play that all the time. Thing is, we weren't doing any story missions or side missions. It was days and weeks and months of messing around in the city, telling ourselves stories, reacting to the living world in chaotic ways, and setting challenges for each, uh, uh, to each other. And the most magical part was that every time there was a visitor beyond the, uh, that core group, they would get involved naturally, not necessarily playing, but commenting asking the player to try things. This experience opened my eyes to the power of emerging gameplay and stories, seeing games maybe for the first time as a really expressive medium be- uh, beyond one's character choice in a fighting game or combo lines in a skating game and that the stories it created were something that could be enjoyed, not just by players, but viewers. It's something that became intertwined with the medium with the rise of gameplay streaming and more specifically, the amazing GTA Online scene with its role-playing streams, uh, this time involving more than one simultaneous player. Uh, End quote. Gary, he he touches a little bit on like the role-playing scene, which I I know you're a big fan of and you're a part of, but I guess beyond all of what we just talked about right now, for you, like where does where where does the influence of GTA three land? Would you say that it's one of the most influential games of all time at
2: this? point? Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. I mean, as, as you were just talking about it, I was I was having those thoughts myself. You know, we talked about when GTA why well, GTA three is one of the most influential games of all, or one of the most historic games of all time. It, it's true, not just in terms of what that series would go on to become. You know, GTA five. You know, is still hugely popular What was almost a decade old has it ever been out of the top 10 you know top selling games like it's always there it still has a hugely it's played all the time this new when the new gen remaster comes out um i i will play gta 5 fucking all over again Guys, i just want to be in that world and, and again, it isn't just the fact that gta itself became this like this the leviathan property it is as as you say and some of those other people those other observers said Um, its effect on, you know, the wider gaming landscape and inspiring all these other kind of open world games where you can go and do freeform exploration and like that, you you, you know, not just the obvious ones like Saints Row and Sleeping Dogs and games that very deliberately kind of are going, oh, but we can do a GTA game as well. But just the general kind of open world, you know, landscape. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, I I don't know if it's, if it's historical, um, even after 20 years, I'm not even sure if you can like fully kind of get a handle on just how, influential it's been and how much like if gta3 if they'd never taken gta3 let's say that gta had bombed and say let's not do let's not do gta3 and like the gta games had never gone beyond the 2d ones i i think only if you if you would like to to, to slide us into that reality the video gaming landscape today would look really really yeah. different like there'll be a bunch of games that just, that just didn't exist because gta3 didn't catalyze you know their development and inspire people to go off and try and create Things like that. But GTA itself, to me, as much as open world gaming is a huge deal, and you can walk around like cyberpunk type worlds now, and you know, Assassin's Creed and all the, you know, the um, watchdogs, there's all these amazing worlds you can walk around. There's still never been a game that has given you that sense of being like a sense of place, like a sense of like, I'm in this world, I'm in yeah. this place. Like, there were so many times when I would when I was first playing through GTA 5 on, I guess it would have been the Xbox 360, when I would just like stop at a street corner, like on their version of like Sunset Boulevard or whatever, and just stop and watch the world go by and think, this is fucking amazing. This is like a living world that they've created. And you would just be in awe of the fact that you could go anywhere and do anything. And I did the same thing. I played GTA 5, for weeks, and all I did was play golf and tennis and yoga and just fuck around. I never even did a mission, because the game is so, the world is just so robust, and you can have fun just living and fucking around in that world, and it's a, it's hugely impressive what, what you know, Rockstar gets a lot of shit, and often rightly so, you know, they, they do a lot of weird stuff, Um, but that game is fucking amazing. GTA 5 is incredible.
1: Yeah, no, G, G, GTA 5, and GTA as a franchise, I'd say, is, is super incredible. Like, I, I always think about for me there there are these landmark moments in my i guess like gaming journey and a lot of those come with very big and ambitious uh open world games when i first played GTA on on ps2 that shifted my perspective in terms of oh shit like i didn't know a video game could be this big and you know for me that that primarily was digging into San Andreas. Like I had played Vice City and GTA 3 earlier at a friend's house and they would go through and they would do the thing where they would summon cheats and all this stuff. And I would kind of get that vicariously through them, but I didn't really internalize that scale until I owned one of those games until I owned San Andreas and drove around and started to realize like, Oh shit, there's, different cities at different cultures to these cities the areas between these cities have like deserts and mountains and all this shit and like if you stand and look around at how the npcs are behaving at any given moment they are reactive to each other they're reacting reactive to you like gj san andreas has a thing where if you click right or left on the the d-pad you can respond positively or negatively to like an npc in the world if they say Mm -hmm. some some shit you can say it back and like that was a level of interactivity that i just hadn't experienced before you know and then i go on and i think of things like uh fallout 3 which was like another step for me of oh shit this is like holy cow this is an open world that has so many stories and so much uh jam-packed into it and like i know um uh, dinga here in in his uh uh uh, write-up he mentions elder scrolls 2 daggerfall and i know a lot of that stuff existed through elder scrolls and bethesda games before but that was like my entry point and that was something that blew me away and then i go forward again to something like gta 5 and then i go forward to something like breath of the wild and there's there are these big landmark open world games that totally shift my perspective in terms of oh my god a video game can be this and i think there's something super special about that and that all kind of starts in a big way with gta 3
2: yeah, for me, I'm actually really excited about these um, these trilogy remasters that are coming out. I know a lot of people have said like, that it's I, I, you know, in an ideal world, they were never going to spend this much on it. But in an ideal world, they would have brought it up to like real GTA 5 stroke six type graphical fidelity. Instead, mm-hmm. they just kind of like smoothed everything over. And like I know some people have complained that it looks a bit cartoony now, but it definitely looks a lot better than they did. And, and I think it's going to make those games viable again. And it's going to reintroduce a whole bunch of really great GTA games to a new generation of players that might not have played them just because simply they were before their time. And, you know, they don't look great to go back and play them on like your PS2 or whatever. Um, GTA 3, I thought was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Vice City, I absolutely love. My my biggest my biggest wish in gaming is that GTA 6 takes us back to Vice City. I desperately want to go back to Vice. I love I love that aesthetic, that vibe um so much and then san andreas was actually the first one that really kind of blew me away in terms of scale what they achieved mm-hmm. back then was really kind of amazing three entire cities you know not just los santos but their version of san francisco and their version of vegas as well and then all of the connective tissue in between like it wasn't just, just you would cheat and like fast travel fly from one city to another you could drive the entire way across yeah. all the desert and there was shit in the desert to do as well all these little small Dude, time. i remember like, spending a ton of time area 69 or whatever there's oh like, my god it just went on and on and on <sighs>
1: that's such, such a good game. I cannot wait for
2: those. Uh, and again, all the, and just everything, like every radio station, all the old commercials, there was just so much comedy and content. And just like, it was just wall to wall. There's not, I remember playing those old games. There just wasn't one ounce of like wasted space. Like every yep. five seconds of every radio station you would listen to had something worth listening to on it. It's just incredible the amount of stuff they jam into these games. And, you know, there's a reason why, we're all like desperate to to get the next oh, yeah. one because if they continue on the scale they be you know each game is just like more impressive than the last like I, it blows my mind to even think about like what they have in plan for gta 6 but i'm sure it'll be incredible how long do you think it's going to be
1: until gta 6
2: who the hell knows <laughs> who the hell knows it's like you know it's it's achieving like fast like half-life Three levels of, of madness now. Where, but the thing is like Half-Life 3, it, it, there's, a, there's a good chance that they just never make it. GTA hmm. 6, of course they're gonna make it. It's gonna happen it. of someday, They are yeah. making it. But they make so much money off GTA 5, it's not like there's even like a, 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 a there's no financial imperative to do it. It's only mm-hmm. a creative imperative, which is what you want, right? You what you want them to think like. You don't want them thinking, oh, we should make a new GTA game so we can make some money. It's like, we're going to make a new GTA game and we're going to do it now and we're going to do it on our own schedule because we're going to do it when you know we feel like we have the best ideas for it and it's creatively the right time to, to bring a new chapter to the GTA universe. So that's, that's a great thing that they don't feel like they're obliged to do it. They'll do it. It's like, like Larry David like makes Kirby enthusiasm whenever he feels like it. If he doesn't want to make a season for a few years, he'll just fuck off and do something else. But when he feels like he's got a good idea for a new season of Kobe Enthusiasm, he'll come back and do it. And that's why the show is so good because he only does it when he feels like there's the right creative reason to do it. And I think GTA, because they're so massively successful off the back of the previous games, have that same luxury. And that's a good thing for us when the game eventually does come out.
1: I think that also it also puts in a place where it has gigantic shoes to fill. I'm still curious on what GTA 6 is going to be, just from the standpoint of GTA 5 is so big and so profitable. One because people love GTA, GTA is such a big franchise, but also now that we're eight years uh, um, uh, separated from it, GTA Online is the thing that keeps that thing in the sales, and that is the reason why that is now uh, GTA is now one of, if not, I think, the highest uh, grossing inter- entertainment franchise. Like it, it's it's in that running, and a big part of that is because of gta online how they've turned that into a live service game that makes me wonder how what is gta 6 going to be is it going to be the like the gta we know and love in terms of hey this is a an open world with a, a lot of tlc put into it a lot of detail a lot of systems it is everything you love about the original gta's and gta 4 and gta 5 and at the same time is it going to be that Hey, we've also built this in a way that is going to support online super strongly. I think that is probably the challenge and the, mean, probably
2: the balance they have to make. I would lo- I would love for them to take a leaf out of the No Pixel book. And again, the toxicity in some of the un- unpleasant player characters aside, what what the No Pixel and what the role playing servers do, where they, they they take it to the next level and create a fully living, breathing world where everyone there's like there's virtually no NPCs. Everyone you meet is another living person playing the game. That to me is the next level. I would love to Mm. see Rockstar endorse that and get behind like a full like GTA MMO, which takes that you know there's still a story campaign, there's still side quests and all the things you expect to see in a in an MMO. But with that full living, I hate the fact that Zuckerberg has now made metaverse a dirty word. Everyone's like, oh, terrified of the metaverse now, because if Zuckerberg's behind it, it can't be any good. And that I totally get. I totally get that. But like Mm -hmm. there is a good version of it. And I feel like, you know, bringing bringing Los Santos or Liberty City alive in a persistently massively multiplayer online way would be, like, there's there's a version of that that is just phenomenal. I mean,
1: that is the reason I was so sold on GTA Online at that first trailer. I remember watching that trailer that they dropped for that specifically, and when the character walks, uh, the character is in their apartment and they walk to the window, and they look out the window and they see the cars driving, they see the the, the characters driving planes, they see all the shit going on outside that all these other people are doing. Like, that is the dream and promise of GTA Online. I think GTA Online hits that to some extent, but I do think that can be elevated by smoothing a lot of, like, the technical stuff out, because there's a lot of technical issues with gta online but then also working on expanding that and making it something that feels like a oh shit no like we, that i i think out of all the um like possible venues for the quote-unquote like metaverse that that that
2: we're talking about gta online is probably a really good one of those it's also, based on a place where you can live in it's also crazy when you think about like where the future is gonna gonna take us I'm, I'm sure that this that this official rock star um you know current gen remaster of GTA 5 when it when it drops, was it early next year is going to be very, very impressive. Mm-hmm. But like if you if you go to the mod scene and look at what some people have done with these photorealistic mods and on high NPCs and you know on this current and 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 we're probably going into the next generation of, of console hardware where you're looking at like kind of 8K, like practically indistinguishable from photorealism. This stuff is only going to get more and more insane. And as, and as VR becomes more viable, nobody wants I, – I think one of the things, not to go off on a tangent, but like, you know, people still don't want to wear the big – bulky things on their their headphones but like when we get to a point when like a we're like a a ready player one level vr headset is something that you can just like carry around in your pocket like your eyeglasses and just put them on and you're there you're in fucking liberty city that is something that i think we will see in our lifetimes and it's a reason to fucking eat healthy and exercise because i want to be around long enough to see that shit or not or i can go they can just put my brain in a fucking jar it makes no difference to me either way (laughs) i want i want to i want to go to that place
1: God, uh, Gary, we've talked about Smash. We've talked about GTA. This has been a very fantastic episode of KFGD, but we got one more news story. Uh, what are we missing here? Oh, that's right. PlayStation. Let's talk about story number four. Uh, the PS5 issue that might have locked players out of their digital games appears to have been fixed. This is from Ali Jones at Games Radar. Sony appears to have quietly fixed a PS5 issue that would eventually have limited which games your system would play. Back in March and April 2021, the PlayStation community became aware of an issue dubbed the C-bomb. The problem is linked to the cmos battery which powers core information like the system clock in the ps3 ps4 and ps5 consoles if the battery fails important system functions including the ability to play certain games would no longer be available in september sony fixed the issue on, on ps4 but there had been no word on concerns raised in april that similar problems could be faced by ps5 users in the future Digital edition owners would be particularly badly affected, as while a CM- CMOS failure wasn't thought to affect physical games, digital downloads couldn't be accessed at all. And with no disk drive, that would make those PS5s a very expensive ornament. Now, however, it seems that Sony has addressed those potential problems. In a new video, hardware channel uh, H- 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 Mori Media removed the CMS- CMOS battery from their own console and found that almost all of their games were able to run. Online functionality was limited, but both physical disks and digital downloads worked. The only games that would be inaccessible in the event of a CMOS failure would be PS Plus titles, as the ability to to verify a user subscription is an online-only feature. It's not clear when exactly Sony fixed the issue, but a couple of recent PS5 firmware updates might have snuck the solution through. So that's good news for everybody. I know there was a little bit of a panic there earlier in the year about this. this. And
2: this is not new. I saw a YouTube video about about a month ago that, that, that spoke about this and how they had fixed it. I don't know if, no, maybe awesome. maybe it's now it's just kind of filtering to more mainstream news sites. But yeah, there was an issue where basically when you when you go online to download something that you'd bought or play play something online there's a server check that happens where Sony will check the time on its server side and it has to match up with whatever your local system time is and the only way to have a local system time is if you've got that you know that little watch battery, battery. that's always in there. That backup once that dies it can't do the check anymore. But yeah, so that that had become a real issue as PS4s Get old enough that those CMOS batteries are dying. Firmware workaround, I think, I think it's in, in place for a while, and maybe some outlets are just picking it up now.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I think this is one that was posted recently, or maybe reposted. Re- but uh, that is good news. I don't think we had reported on that one on on this show. And so, for folks who were panicking earlier, boom, we're all good. We're safe. We're good, at least for now. Gary, I'm very excited to see when GTA 6 comes out, but that is probably just so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mama Grab shops today, where would I look?
2: The official list of upcoming software on each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games daily show hosts each and every weekday. I like the harmonizing at the end there, that was good.
1: Out today, we got Conway, Disappearance at Dahlia View for PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, Cupid Parasite for Switch, Tunchi, not the rapper of the game, for Xbox One, Switch, and PC, First Class Trouble for PS5 and PS4, Knockout City for PS5 and Xbox Series X, World War Z for Switch, Galaxy Shooter for Switch, Unpacking for Switch and PC, To the Rescue for PC, which is, Gary, this is one that
2: you wanted to talk about a little bit. Yeah, I just wanted to give it a little shout out. I, I don't have any I don't know anyone that works over there. I, I, I just spotted it today when I booted up Steam today. It was like, hey, this is out today. It's called to the rescue. It's a dog shelter simulator. It looks like a cute little top-down Stardew Valley type thing where you run a where you run a dog shelter. Um, it looks very, very adorable. It's 20% off right now. You can get it for $15.99. And this is the other thing that I really liked. 20% of all the proceeds from the game go to support real world animal shelters. So I just thought that was really nice.
1: That's awesome. This is one that funny enough I I think I heard about this one because I checked um the kind of funny games cast fantasy draft because Gary we have like a like a, a metacritic or open critic fantasy draft that uh, me, Greg, Tim, and Imran Khan are competing in. And I had saw like last week that Greg had added this one to his fantasy draft. And so I was like, Oh, what is what is this game? i I texted him, I was like, What are you planning? What is this? Uh and so yeah, like hearing that it is like this cool animal shelter game and that the proceeds go go to a really good cause. That's really awesome. Like that's it really looks, really cool. It looks
2: very cute indeed. totherescuegame.com, game.com, or you can just look it up on, on Steam. I'm gonna I already installed it, I'm gonna check it out later. I think. Hell
1: yeah. Uh, we also got Giants Up uprising out today on pc usurper soulbound for pc and then pikmin bloom is now available worldwide new dates for you mecha action platformer Blackwind uh defends consoles pc uh mac uh or pc and mac on january 20th 2022 and then celebrating the fifth anniversary of shadow tactics blades uh, of the shogun standalone expansion Ico's choice releases december 6th 2021
2: don't sleep on unpacking either fantastic game
1: yeah Roger was talking about it on yesterday's Games Daily and I think he called it his game of the year. He absolutely loves that it game. It should
2: be in the conversation. My kid loves it. It's 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 one of those if you need a chill out game, if you if you enjoy those games that kind of you know you just like to put things in their place and you know just make neat little things and it's a very therapeutic kind of dreamlike kind of you know you can just play it at your own pace and it's very chill, you know, oh, yeah. end, if you want to unwind at the end of a long day or whatever. It's one of those kind of very chill vibe games that um i enjoy
1: and i believe we're going to be streaming it tomorrow on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games if people want to tune in for, uh, for that to check out the game looks really cool sounds really cool of course you can go to kind of slash you're wrong where you write in let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct her for those watching later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and on podcast services around the globe uh let's see here let's see here let's see what people write it in i'm seeing a lot of editorializing from people nanobiologist <laughs> uh, Tim G who I think might be Tim Gettys or somebody pretending to be Tim Gettys says "Bless. Did you ask Gary to join his Nintendo Switch family account?" I did not. Gary, this is this has been a bit for the last week because I refuse to ask people to get on their family accounts for Nintendo Switch because I'm he, I'm paying for a singular fair, membership.
3: He's paying it for a singular membership when he could meet a group of people that are already doing it, give them a little bit and then he could be on so i do
2: so here's the thing i do have the family expansion pack and i've and i've been watching a lot of the conversation about how the price hike to the expansion pack um is not a lot of people don't like it they think it's way too expensive especially Mm. in light of the fact that the nintendo 64 um uh uh, remasters of these games that are available on nintendo they're not good right they're broken then they're that nintendo they have a lot um, of issues like they're they're playable
1: very playable but they have a lot of issues for sure
2: okay but but on the face of it it looked i think in many cases the expansion pack even if you factor in happy home paradise if you're into animal crossing the the price hike does not make a lot of sense for a lot of people like i get that i do think it it, it, there's an argument that it's overpriced for us here in the widow household where i've got three four if you include my mother-in-law um four different people on our family plan all of whom play animal crossing all of whom want Happy Home Paradise at $25 a pop if you buy a la carte. The fa- for us, the expansion pack, the family expansion pack, does actually make financial sense. And the Genesis mm-hmm. games and the N64 mm-hmm. games, that's just gravy. Just purely as like a cheap bundle to get Happy Home Paradise, mm. it makes total sense. So I, th- I can't remember how many people are allowed in a family. I think we've got I think four, it's seven. Got- so I've got three spots open. Mm-hmm. I'm open to the idea, bless. And the question is, can I can I consider you family? I don't yeah, know what, and, what, what, and that's what my what's thing. my standard for that. That, that was I, my that,
1: that's the issue I took up because I, I, when um, your name was floated for somebody who has a family membership, I was like, Gary would have has the family membership for his literal family, his his blood family, Gary, people that are Gary. living in his home with him. I'm not going to bother him to like Gary, add me to, the, to like his to, family pack.
3: I would like to add that I was I what I brought up was this is an easy in to thanksgiving for blessing you know what i mean you could oh, take him mm-hmm. in you could adopt him
1: do you not have thanksgiving plans blessing actually no i have i have friends plans but i do think that is a sweet idea but like i uh, i do i do have plans so i'm not hurting there but there's always I mean, next year
2: do we need to develop so the question is to get you in on the family plan mm-hmm. do do we need to develop some kind of fast and furious family type relationship I, I feel like i would love, love to sit around a table <laughs> and drink coronas with you
1: this sounds like a great pitch this sounds like the actual benefit i'd be in for if i'm going to be adopted to family the, plan. Sit
2: on the port drink some beers while one of us works on a car play some happy home great. paradise some Nintendo. play some mario kart online this sounds fantastic
1: there's yeah. also the other issue of well one like I, uh, I do i have had other offers for family membership like tomorrow has one that he was telling telling me he can get, you see, he can get me you in see on
3: plenty of options
1: and like, I here's the thing because I'd feel bad about getting on Gary Wittas. Because again, Gary Wittas has a family. Tomorrow right is apparently, offering it. Tomorrow is giving it to whoever, and like, uh, and and he offered it to me. The other issue I have is that I've already paid, I think, for the next year of Nintendo Switch Online. So I don't think realistically I, I can't. Can I think you can hit him a bit and it, no, be like, you, yo, no, you, you, uh, you I'm
2: out. well, when I okay, so I it was weird the way because of the way that I subscribed last year, mm-hmm. they actually billed me for the next year of the the single plan. A week before the new plan came in so when i upgraded they just they they just build me the difference so okay. i don't know how that would work for oh, you okay if it would refund you or something i don't know yeah i'm sure it would refund them yeah i mean you're not an animal crossing player right so you wouldn't get no. you wouldn't the the, the 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 i'm
1: i'm in here just for just to play online
2: and to play the n 4 games that's it. do you already but you already okay yeah so but again you can already play online with a single membership so this would yeah. just be for the n64 and genesis games yeah and that's ain't that that's what like that's, the least that's what he's aspect.
3: paying for right now but it's just like a he, handful
2: of n64 games and they're not even emulated that but, well.
3: but it's worth it for him it's worth it for me because i'm, a, I'm yeah. a crazy person gary i love these uh, games in the chat somebody said uh like kind of funny should have a work one we do like but it's just there's only there's a limit and yeah we had uh, a lot of people guess, working
1: at this company
2: yeah
3: we have family ones that we have set up together. It's like, like I'm on a family something. one
2: with Tim. Yeah. God, this sounds like this is taking me back to like high school where like, you know, it's it's like the seven spots of i was I was always the one that got picked last. Mm. You know, when it was like just like blessing. I'm just okay. saying, you could make his day. You don't want to, you know to be like the eighth person at eight yeah, you know, an eight man company or whatever and everyone's like, everyone's in, but like, you know, when the music stops, you're the like you're the only one who doesn't have a chair to sit down and that would be terrible. I'm starting yeah. to feel Blessing, you should come join my family because I feel it like is, Kind of funny talked to you is. on this one. You yeah, should come, you true. should come be in our family. Carrie, I appreciate Being the offer. Kind of funny clearly doesn't consider you family. Absolutely, allow, I mean, allow, I've been, saying, I've been I think, saying this for years. Allow me, Blessing, to consider you You've family. You've only been
3: working
1: here for like a year, right? Yeah,
2: but like you, you Roger's You're been here have? for a
3: year
1: and you call him the funny guy and all these things. What do you call me, Kevin? You call me bad names. That's what you call That's me. That's not true. I've never once called you a bad name. Yeah, but you would if you could, right? You would if I would. No, I mean, I to can. I can. Oh, I'm yeah. not afraid of Greg Miller. You know what I mean? he, oh, yeah, Remember that are. one
3: time I, like, texted him. Like, I called him a bitch when he was in some, like, I don't know, <laughs> some <laughs> meeting for, like, his baby. And then he got all upset and well, jumped oh, in and the car remember that. All right, that I'm not afraid of me. him. I'm not afraid was- of him.
1: That was fantastic. All right, well, let's wrap up this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily. Tomorrow's hosts are, are uh, me and Andy Cortez. If you're watching this live on Twitch, uh, after this is a Mobius trailer reaction followed by some games with Mike oh, and Lord. Nick. If you want to catch that stream later, you can subscribe to YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Plays. Remember, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday live right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. You have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, Game Daily.